0: Welcome back to Ravens Recap. Guys, we did it. The Ravens beat the Chiefs. The monkey is off their back. 36 to 35 in what was a thrilling game. Everyone got their money's worth on Sunday night. We're happy to have with us again, Jason from Huddle It Up Films. How you doing, Jason?
1: Uh, I'm doing well. I stumbled onto the right right place at the right time. So thank you for inviting me.
0: Yeah, man, absolutely. Looking forward to talking about this great win with uh, you as well. And before we do, we want to do uh, a little recap of the bowl predictions. Uh, Turns out I was the only one, I think, that got it this week with the 120 yards from the running backs. Uh, Peter was a push, unfortunately, so the turnout over battle was not won or lost. And uh, Chris, unfortunately, Lamar did not get the passing yards trophy, but he got the win. So that's all we can ask for, right?
2: Hey, it was a great game script right there. I mean, Chris didn't win the turnout battle, but... Having a push there definitely was the difference there in the game and when those turnovers happened in the game. Jackson didn't have more passing yards than Mahomes, but I guess, as Chris pointed out to us, it was a push in total yardage for both Jackson and Mahomes when you add up their air yards and uh, rush yards.
3: Oh, wow. Yeah, 346 even. So Mahomes had a three-yard rush that, that <laughs> just put them put into the tie. <laughs>
1: Hey, Lamar, Lamar technically won because there was a minus one yard kneel down at the end, which always uh, bugs me for fantasy purposes and yards per carry purposes uh, for Lamar.
3: Oh, yeah. All right. That's a good point.
1: There you go. Nice, nice,
2: nice to point out that. Yeah. Yeah. I think everyone who's played enough fantasy football has had that game where they were ahead by 0.5 points and then their quarterback had to kneel. And it's like, ah,
0: (laughs) I hate that. Is that the worst thing ever? (laughs) I feel like because fantasy is a thing now, they should bring in a backup quarterback, a Neil specialist.
1: <laughs> for, just for fantasy <laughs> football. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. And then, and then Lamar's uh, MVP season, he had 18 of them for negative 18 yards. And then it doesn't sound like a lot, but when you take 18 carries for minus 18 yards out of what he did, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it was even crazier um, an amount of yards in per carry that he rushed for. That's awesome. Someone in the fantasy community
2: who's got a lot of pull has to like, published a study to the to the NFL coaches just being showing how there's this huge injury risk of on the kneel down play like you know it' like slip on the field or something uh, you know <laughs> defender could is enraged and just takes out the quarterback so they okay like, you got you got play the backup quarterback there because of injury risk you know
0: <laughs> oh man <laughs> this is a classic Ravens recap midseason uh, diatribe <laughs> I love it
2: and then when they're winning we can ha- we can have some fun
0: <laughs> yeah that's right. I, the spirits are quite different on this episode we must say so let's talk about some of the narratives right oh and three against the chiefs coming into this game the has never lost in september uh nbc pregame crew uh only picked the ravens 83 percent of the fans polled apparently picked the chiefs so uh that's that's kind of disheartening to hear but okay <laughs> um what do we feel about this i know they asked the guys in the post game how does this make you feel going into the rest of the season?" Now.
2: I mean it, it's it's hard to to say that the Chiefs definitely are not the bar in the NFL still. Obviously the Buccaneers rolled over them in the Super Bowl, but we know that Mahomes was not 100%. He had the foot injured and, you know, basically two guys who didn't have business starting in that game at both the tackle spots. Uh, you know, if he has healthy tackles and and his foot's fine, that game is likely a lot closer. So you just want, the Braves just went out there, and yeah, some of that win was due to luck. But the the Chiefs had a couple of lucky plays as well. From the rate you beat the team who's still the favorite to win the AFC and probably still you know the favorite to win the Super Bowl. I think you got to look at that as that now anything's possible for this year. If you can beat the best of the best, now it's just stay your due course and you know if you execute then you have just as good enough a chance of, of making it to the big game as as any of these other uh elite teams in the NFL right now.
3: Yeah, I think for me it's uh, this is definitely a huge huge confidence booster game, uh, especially coming off that week 1 loss to the Raiders where I you know, I think going into the, the Ravens definitely probably weren't too concerned about that game right but after all the injuries that have happened at the end of the preseason and even into the starting into the regular season going into that Chiefs game I mean uh, f- for them to be able to pull out that win with how banged up their squad is I mean that really shows that all their goals are still in front of them right it doesn't matter that all these guys are out like they still have the guys in the locker room to be able to to win to win the game so whether that means anything in terms of like the full season we'll have to find out but in terms of like a uh psychological victory um i, I think uh it was absolutely huge for the ravens to win this game
1: yeah and uh intangibly i agree it's a uh, it's just a huge win a huge confidence boost i remember before the season i was just saying we have to win this game for all the reasons that you guys spoke of but uh i want to just bring it from a a pragmatic standpoint i feel like it's a reset for this Ravens team, you know, starting one and one it feels like if it would have been 0-2, uh, we would have been chasing. The Ravens would have been chasing all year. So just from a practical standpoint, if you looked at those first two games and said we'd be one and one I think that uh, you wouldn't be happy with it, but you'd take it or maybe expect it. And here we are. It didn't happen the way that we expected, but it's even better this way with the win being over
3: to the Chiefs. Yeah, I definitely hear that.
1: I will
2: say another thing uh, about this game. Early September game against a rival. I don't know about you guys, but when this game was over, it immediately reminded me of two games in the Ravens' past. And those two games were the game in 2000 when they finally beat Jacksonville in that wild shootout. And it also reminded me a lot of that Monday night football game in 2012 where the Ravens beat the Patriots on a Justin Tucker field goal uh, down to the starting quarterback, you know, putting the team behind... In, in the first drive with a pick six um, and uh, needing a furious offensive co- comeback in the fourth quarter, you know, special things happened both those seasons. So that's, you know, that's, that's something to keep an eye on.
1: Yeah. The adversity faced. I think that's what makes this game special. Just looking over the, you know, what we want to do as far as being able to come back. It's just feels like all that is shattered something that we knew it, but we don't have to hear about that anymore. I mean, uh, the comeback and the facing adversity and just all the things that went into this week, it just made this victory so sweet. I mean, it if we would have had everybody ready and, you know, the Chiefs lost last week and we pounded the Raiders and we came out there and, and we got on top of the Chiefs and won a nice boring game, it, it, it you know, it just wouldn't have felt the same as, as the way it does now.
0: Yeah. And I think Another thing that was really cool about this victory was that it was dirty and that um, the Ravens got to prove that they could come from behind. I know that there's that um, statistic that everyone likes to throw around of, oh, the Ravens like are 0-5 or 0-whatever in the Lamar era when they're down by X. And I don't know if this game beat that uh, you know, statistic. I don't know if it ever got far enough behind, but I imagine it was close. It was at least you know uh, double digits at one point, I believe, or like nine. I think that they proved a lot in this victory and um, it didn't come with any ease, right? Like we definitely got quote unquote lucky. Like uh, I think Peter mentioned earlier, but um, you know, this is, that's what it's all about, man. Football like is a high variance sport. We see upsets all the time. And I think just embracing the fact that like, okay, the Ravens in the range of outcomes can beat the chiefs and we've seen it now. It's not just like hypothetical is just huge for confidence.
3: Yeah, I tell you what, um, you know, talking, taking on a little tangent for a little bit, but um, I was fortunately able to go to the game last minute, and just seeing the fan reaction afterwards at the stadium was, like, was crazy. I, I mean, I've I've been to a handful of games in my life and a couple of big games too, but, yeah, just everybody walking down the ramp to get to the parking lot and just, like, having to go past, go past like, half a dozen chance and, and just, like, you know uh mvp chance and things like that it's just uh yeah. people were really excited for this one like they really wanted uh, to get this one
0: yeah seven nations army chiefs suck mvp <laughs> uh i heard all those yeah all the, a whole, <laughs> the a whole down. range of outcomes <laughs> yeah but yeah no it was fun man it was cool it definitely felt like playoff vibes you know as far as um the reaction afterwards I guess, honestly, though, I would—I kind of want to get into it now that we're talking about the fan base. I think it's section dependent. But, you know, I was a little disappointed uh, that after a year of no one going to these games, basically, that there wasn't more excitement, right? Like, people got loud when they were supposed to, but I could tell people in my section didn't love the fact that me and KFish were like... Literally yelling on first, second, third down, as if it was like third down. You know, like we were always making noise because we're like, you know, they don't need to get the third down. We maybe could like cause a confusion on first down or second down. Like, you know, we're here. We got nothing else to do. And I was just like annoyed. People were complaining, like, oh, they're not selling beers in the third quarter anymore. What is this? Is the injustice? And I'm like, man, you're wearing like a hundred dollar jersey, drinking like ten dollar beers, and you're not even making noise. <laughs> like why are you here <laughs> i got i got my boy peter at home right now i wish it was next to me not you <laughs> you know like, <laughs> he'd be making some noise i know that for sure i'm like uh <laughs> you know like i was just it was frustrating like from that perspective you know section by section i i understand one of my friends who was at the game as well was saying their section was much more vibrant but i was just like man i i saw like one of the ladies in front of us was like holding her ears because me, me and davis were like always making noise you know <laughs> I mean, we were trying our best, man. I had probably like twenty halls at that game to try to keep it going, and uh, yeah, it just felt like we didn't have the support. And it feels a little awkward to do it, but you know, gotta gotta trust the process. Gotta keep making noise. Oh, man.
2: <laughs> that is interesting because on the uh, at least how how NBC was was picking up the sound from the stadium, like you could very clearly hear the crowd. It was um, from from what I heard. Uh, granted. I'm trying to think. I was paying more attention to that in the first half than the second half when things were starting to look like it might slip away for the Ravens. But um Yeah, it sounded to me like the crowd was really into it, but I guess it maybe it was section dependent.
0: Yeah, and I felt like we like it was a classic, um all the Chiefs did something to us and now like, you know, uh we you know, they did like the, the Kelsey thing, right? Like he runs for a bazillion yards, like should got gotten tackled four times. And everyone's like deflated. I'm like, you got to keep making noise. You got to like immediately come back, you know, the next drive. Because I think like that drive into that, like the Ravens sputtered. And it was just like, no, no, no. Like (laughs) you need it more now than ever. Like, how dare you be quiet right now? (laughs) Like, I don't know. It's just like turn off emotions. Are the uh, opposing team on offense? Make noise. Are they not? No noise. That's it. <laughs> like <laughs> don't think about it. Don't it doesn't matter what's going on in the game. <laughs> it just that's the rule.
1: <laughs> yeah, I couldn't oh, tell man. on TV either. I couldn't tell. It sounded normal to me. I have been in that situation though before Alec where it was like it was a Sunday night game against the Steelers where Suggs came out with the mask. Uh, I don't know <laughs> if it was the Bane mask or the Gladiator mask, but it was one of those and the place was hype and then I don't know. It was post Ray Lewis era. So it just wasn't the same vibe as I had remembered even like a couple of years before that. Right. And uh, I was the idiot going, you know, with the,
3: oh, <laughs> and
1: and nobody else around me was doing it. Uh, the wife went with the game, went to the game with me, and she's a little more reserved. Her Hers is more like cuss words and uh, exclamations. <laughs> uh, but she's, she's not down for straining her voice like that the whole game like I was. So, yeah. Been in that position before, but a uh, little surprising that it happened that night because, like you said, man, football was back in Baltimore with the fans. Yeah. No, I mean,
0: don't get me wrong. On third down, like, people like responded well. I thought there was good noise then. It was just like, I felt like we just need to keep constant pressure. I mean, this team's hard to beat, man. <laughs> like, I was like, yeah. I wanted to be the 12th man as much as I possibly can be here. Uh, you know, I felt like it was my duty to my squad. So it is. We, we don't need to belabor this much more. But before we get into, um, I guess more of the game recap, we do have a bit of a sponsor break. If you don't know, this weekend is the St. Demetrius Greek Orthodox Church Festival. You can experience Greek heritage and maybe even more importantly, the delicious Greek food this September 24th through 26th. Um, On Friday, they're open for dinner, so 5 to 10 p.m. Saturday, it's open from 12 p.m. to 11 p.m. And Sunday, it's open from 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. So get your lunch or early dinner. And uh, there'll be some live music on Saturday night, uh, and um, always Greek music as well. And I'll be uh, making the souvlaki this year. I have my own marinade, so it's like all like a homemade recipe. I was there last night doing it. That's why this episode is getting recorded a day later. (laughs) So I appreciate the guys' uh, flexibility. And we also made um, some homemade tzatziki this year, which is really, uh, really quite good. So I I highly recommend uh, if you come, you know, maybe try out the souvlaki or the get a yoodle and you get the tzatziki with that as well or of course any of the other things the lamb shanks are really good highly recommend it. it's one of my favorite weekends of the year not just as a person who goes but like uh that volunteer but also as a uh you know like when i've gone just to go it'll be a great time parking's free I just feel free to drive up to 2504 cup hill road in parkville maryland for a good time and uh lots of fun hope to see you there
3: All right. Well, I guess the first thing we should probably talk about, um, look, I think this game was a huge, huge uh, bounce back game, uh, particularly for the offensive line. Um, I think we got to give some mad props out here. Alejandro Villanueva, um, clearly, you know, whatever it was, moving back to the left side, just being a little bit better prepared this game, whatever it was, man, I thought he had a pretty good game overall. Just seeing him from you know the the stands, like I could see him just a little bit more confident in the movements that he had. It looked like he was doing a little bit better to kind of chop the defender's arms and kind of get people away from him. Um, and he looked to be pretty good both in in pass blocking and and run blocking. To be honest, you know I, I think for for him like to have that bounce back game was was absolutely huge. It's just it's it's like night and day. Like week one was just, you know, we got to cut this guy. He's no good. Week two, it's like, wait a minute. Okay, we actually now we have a problem now. <laughs> we have two. And when Stanley gets back, if he gets back, we have like two legit left tackles here. What are we going to do?
2: Yeah, it was a huge uh, bounce back game for him. Um, I think, you know, a, a guy like that who's been around the league for as long as he has, those pro Bowls like, he knows how to play the position. Like, so his, his issues Monday night, from my perspective, were, were more physical. Just going up against, I mean, you're going up against... Crosby, he's 255. He's got a lot of speed, a lot of uh, pass rush moves that gave a guy, Villanueva, who's more technical than he is athletic and he's older. That he was always going to struggle in that situation, I think. I mean, gosh, even Jonathan Ogden, late in his career, I can remember a Monday night game to start the season. I want to say it was 2005 where he was going up against Dwight Freeney and Robert Mathis and didn't give up a sack, but he was definitely struggling a bit to, to hold against those guys and, and their speed. Um, hopefully this is a sign that, that Villanueva still, still has it. Um, I think it'll be, still be interesting to see when he has to go again against, uh, guys who are, who are a little more, you know, leaner and athletic than, uh, than Jones. Not to say that, that Jones isn't an outstanding player because he is, but he doesn't have the, uh, athleticism of a Crosby, but, yeah, it was a moment where Raville and Weba definitely needed to step up, and he, he showed on Monday night why he's been in the league for as long as he is has and has been well as well-regarded as he has as well.
1: Yeah, I, I love the offensive line play. I thought it was the key to this game to allow some just big passes from Lamar at timely positions. And uh, the Ravens, I think, will have a decision to make depending on how long it takes Stanley to come back, but – you look at the right tackle position, and McCary was fantastic, and he showed characteristics to me that he's always shown, which is great feet, great ability to mirror his opponent. So when you're talking about the footwork, uh, Villanueva getting used to right tackle, well, you paid Villanueva a lot of money. That's his spot. But um, if Villanueva plays kind of like he did week one and McCary plays kind of like he did week two uh, at right tackle, it's gonna be an interesting decision to see what Harbaugh does because well, based on the measurables, McCary is not someone that you would look at as a starting tackle in this league. But uh, the one quality that he has is the ability to mirror. And that's really all Lamar needs, right? Tackle. Just don't whiff like we saw Villanueva do week one. As long as you get a piece of him and can stick with him, if you're overpowered, that's okay. Lamar can make things happen. So, uh, And then I really wanted to take, a, take time to touch on the interior of that offensive line, which I think is a big upgrade from last year. Put a lot of resources into it. Obviously, the big signing was Zeitler. And then, uh, of course, drafted Ben Cleveland in the third round. I think Ben Cleveland will make his way onto the field. But the thing that strikes me through both weeks is that uh, the interior of this O-line with Bradley Bozeman at center is bigger and stronger than it has been. And I think that that's going to be key for this team as far as the passing game is concerned, allowing Lamar to step up and make some throws that, uh, I mean, let's face it, when when your guards are getting beat or your center is getting beat and you have a big guy in your face real quick, I mean, it's impossible to do. You can can work with a a breakdown at tackle and step up in the pocket, uh, but in order to step up in the pocket, you need big, consistent, strong guys up front. And, man, that's what really has me encouraged about this line, actually.
0: Yeah, man, the interior was awesome, and I think their communication was better than ever. I thought that was honestly maybe the biggest improvement this week was that uh, I felt like assignments were just properly executed. Uh, We didn't have uh, mistakes. We didn't see a lot of the, oh, after a big loss, like them looking at each other saying, hey, like I was supposed to do this, you know, like talking like, oh, what went wrong there? Nothing really went wrong like that. And just to go back to Makari, I think, you know, uh, listener Kevin uh, asked, after his efforts at right tackle and like the great performance um, when Stanley returns, do we put him there instead of Villanueva? Uh, That was his question for us. And I honestly don't know the answer right now. Um, I think that's going to be up to the coaches because they'll see something in, in practice, but I know we're probably gonna have a couple more games with this configuration with Villanueva at left and, and and Macario at, at right. If he keeps playing like he is, And you know, like you said, you know, you put Villanueva in maybe, and he whiffs. Like I think you put him in. The guy's just so good with his technique. You said the mirroring that he can hold up in this offense. Like I don't want to hear about his arms. Like if he's blocking like that, like who cares, man? Like it just don't doesn't matter to me. Like (laughs) I get it's not ideal, but if it works, it works.
1: Yeah, I gave my opinion on that. I. I, I think it's got to be McCarry if if you see what what we've seen. I mean, I don't think Villanueva is going to be as bad as he was Week One. I don't think McCarry is going to be as great as he was last night. But if it if it keeps trending in that direction, you know, to answer the question, I, I would like to see our best five out there, d- uh, despite the money that we paid Alejandro.
3: Yeah, for sure, I definitely agree with that. What do you guys think about Ben Cleveland? I'm going to talk about him for a minute. I know um, he was switching out a few drives, I believe, throughout the game. Um, I, I thought he looked pretty good overall, and I was really happy to kind of see him kind of next to Villanueva as well. It seemed like they seemed to be working pretty well together in terms of pass blocking. And obviously, like you said, Jason, I mean, he's a big dude. So getting me at that left guard spot is just, I mean, he's able to just knock people off the ball, which has been great.
1: Yeah, well, I'm sorry about that. I'm just trying to ease into the show. But uh, but yeah, I, I think uh, Cleveland has some serious work to do with his footwork technique. I actually see okay. where the coaches are coming from. But uh, but there's no doubt, Chris, like he's he's knocking people off the ball. He is a people mover. But yeah, I would say like against some of these quicker, more veteran, maybe uh, defensive tackles, he might struggle early in his career, but mm-hmm. he's going to be a stu- he's going to be a stud there, man. Like he, he can he showed it and you could see when he leans into somebody, it's creating big time space, not just little time space. These double teams are unfair uh, to the biggest men in the sport at defensive tackle.
0: Yeah, he was definitely moving people. I am very excited to see him continue to improve because, like you said, there's definitely some room for improvement. Um, I know that um, if you watch his early play or his college play, for instance, versus now, you can even tell that the coaches have gotten you know some of his technique better already. Uh, and if you, uh, you know, keep extrapolating that out as he becomes more refined in the in the field, like I think he's going to be really, really good. Like you said, Jason. I also wanted to comment on. Uh, Cologne getting called in nine times, they went heavy, you know you always hear it on the intercom he's reporting eligible, he's reporting eligible, and uh <laughs> every time, man, it was a positive play. It was also almost always a run. It's toe telegraphed like even the announcers are basically saying like this is gonna be a run, and they just can't stop it, man. when we put bodies on bodies and execute our blocks like that. It was like chunk play after chunk play. it was wild i I, I just find that like so fun as a fan to see your offense almost telegraph what they're about to do next and the defense just can't stop it.
2: Yeah. And in, and that just speaks to the, the scheme that the Ravens have in place there. Cause like we've said, all three running backs are down. Uh, you've got Tyson Williams, Latavius Murray, and even Devonta Freeman showing some life in that game. I'm pretty sure each of them had a carry over 25 yards in the game. Sorry, not that I think they each had over 20 yards.
3: Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but they all <laughs> yeah, had some yeah, plays. Latavius,
2: right? Latavius Murray did not have a, a rush of twenty yards. Not yet. We'll see if he gets that at all this season. But, but yeah, yeah. Freeman two carries for twenty nine yards, and really had that thirty one yarder on his first carry. I mean, it, obviously, we, we would love to have Dobbins and Gus here, but the Ravens they they haven't missed a beat with this rushing attack, and you gotta give huge credit to, to the coaches and, and what the offensive line is doing. And of course, you know, still having that threat of Lamar back there.
1: Yeah. And I love it to Alex's point that we're just, you know, we're telling we're telegraphing it and just, we, we know, they know what we're doing, but the thing is we could do it a few different ways because of our quarterback. So it, it, it's just like the luxury of Lamar Jackson is what it speaks to me. Like, how are you going to guard uh, Latavius Murray up the middle and Lamar at could go anywhere. So I just, I just love that. uh, The fact that that's still in our bag and we can, we can break that out and against teams we think we match up well with, which is going to be most teams.
0: So the Ravens would still be top 10 in the league in rushing. If you took Lamar Jackson out, isn't that wild? (laughs) (laughs) And of course he's our leading rusher. It's amazing. (laughs) I mean, I know we run more than other teams, but I feel like it's not that much more. It's just that much more efficient.
2: I mean, that that just goes back to why we were saying, you know, when Dobbins went down, we were obviously crushed for for Dobbins and, you know, for his opportunity for the season to be gone and for us as fans to miss out on watching what he can do. And for obviously Gus going down as well, we felt the same, but those injuries, you didn't feel like that their season was over because like, like we're saying, there's just, they just know how to, to run the football say what we will about greg rowan's passing attack his rushing attack is unmatched by anyone in the nfl
3: well speaking of passing attack it's probably a good transition um hollywood brown definitely is uh has been stacking games uh on games on games i think uh he ended up it was actually funny i was talking to my friend alex um at the end of the game and he's like did hollywood brown did he have over 100 yards and they had to think about it for a second i looked at you know finish up with six receptions for 113 yards you wouldn't think it with the offense kind of so predicated on the run, but, I mean, he's been just, you know, making every single play. It's it's not just the deep threat. It's catching the passes underneath, making some guys miss. Um, he was able to get behind the defense and, and that jump pass that everybody's been talking about from Moore when he was in the pocket uh, to Hollywood Brown over the top and then him running that in. Um, he's just been productive, man. I'm really excited just, you know, if he continues to kind of build on this and just think if we get back Bateman – I mean, oh my goodness, this is gonna be so good. Like definitely the best passing attack that we've had in a Greg Roman and Lamar Jackson offense.
0: I thought the crazy part too is that, you know, if uh Lamar hits him on that first drive deep uh oh, he was gone, man. right, yeah. That another eighty yards. Oh like, man, that play, yeah, that would have ooh. Like I mean, it's just it's just cool, man. Like apparently the magic number was was one more, right? We really only have one more weapon. If you look at the passing yards this game, it was a funnel. Right, I think it was like all the passes except for the one to Oliver and maybe one to like uh, Tyson. I forget. I'll pull it up. But like, mm-hmm. was to the big three guys: Watkins, uh, Hollywood, and and Mark Andrews. And then we saw like just. I mean, basically, just adding Watkins seems to have solved a lot of the problems. And then, like you said, man, we have Bateman, and there's a lot of reason to think that he's gonna be really solid right away and a solid contributor. I mean, I'm not expecting at this point him to have O A level uh impact immediately but if he does
3: <laughs> look, out, man. look out we're going far we're going
0: far you know like it's it's super exciting you know it's awesome um truly awesome so there's a lot of reason to be optimistic ravens fans not just uh the way we play today but like things to come we have like 15 people out this game something something absurd and some of them are on the short term IR and they're definitely coming back soon. Nick Boyle on this team, Bateman, um, if if Tyree Phillips can come back, I mean, this is this is serious. You know, that that's all that's some skilled players there. Uh, Westry, right? Um, there's a lot of reason to still be optimistic. This team's depth that we talked about all preseason is paying out right now, and there's no reason to hit the panic button right now.
1: Yeah, there's there's a lot of youth on this team in some key positions too. So I, I I look at it as uh despite the fact that our overall upside has been uh just gutted with the injuries, the season enders, that there is still some upside in this team, the second year players, something that I'm really excited about. Uh, you know, even with Phillips injuries, just seeing everybody develop. Hollywood still young, Lamar's still only 24. So there's definite upside with this offense. And and speaking about the the third weapon. It's just uh, it's something striking to me that now Kansas City is the team that has two weapons, and uh, you look at even with Sammy, uh, his injury history, Hollywood's banged up. As long as we have another go to, and I think Boyle's gonna is sneaky. He helps with that too, uh, very reliable receiver. So um, there's only one ball. I'm not expecting huge numbers for Bateman or Sammy if they're both playing, but uh, the more options, the merrier. Uh, I, I just I, I, that's a huge upside for this team is uh, it looks like Andrews is getting a ton of attention still to me. Hollywood's doing his thing. So what else do you have? Well, in the past, we were you know, we brought Des Bryant in to, to do that and threw him uh, bubble screens, which isn't uh, isn't how you want to use Des Bryant. So, man, just being able to hit those <laughs> hit Sammy on those slants and some of those third down plays is just huge
3: absolutely especially when you know I mean you look at some of the other younger guys too I mean I I know people have been excited for Duvernay and Prochet and stuff like that but they just haven't gotten the targets Um, Lamar hasn't looked their way for whatever reason um, you know we need to have guys who you know be able to make the plays and when their number is called not saying that those guys can't but it's just you know again coming back to who are the guys out there that Lamar can trust and are they going to be there are they going to make the play and yeah having having at least three guys and and hopefully, yeah, as those uh, two other guys, Boyle and Bateman, they come back, hopefully, you know, it, it moves it up and Lamar's just going to have so many different options to, to throw the ball around, to.
2: Yeah, and, and we talked about it so much last season that the Ravens really needed a, a third guy to step up and take some attention um, and some of the weight off, off Hollywood and, and Andrews. And Sneed was there. Sneed was fine. Um, I know in the offseason, I, I questioned, was Watkins really an upgrade over Sneed? And despite a couple, you know, a couple drops and and obviously that that slip on the beginning drive where which basically enabled the pick six for the Chiefs, I think Sammy's been extremely solid and has been the best number two option that the Ravens have had with Lamar under center so far. Obviously, it's only two games, but the early returns uh, look pretty solid, and then. Just go back to Marquise Brown one last second. I was looking back at his past game logs. See, we remember after that game against Tennessee last year in the regular season where he was infamously shut out in that game. Um, aside from that one catch that was called back by penalty, that may have been the game winner. Um, but yeah, so he was shut out, zero catches. Or we had a lot of questions about, about him. Is he going to step up? How is he going to respond to that? So 10 games have passed since then. He has had a touchdown in seven out of those 10 games. One of those games was two. And in the two games, or sorry, the three games where he didn't have a touchdown, he had at least 87 receiving yards in each of those games. I'd say he's uh, answered the call for, for him to step up pretty nicely.
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely. He's just been stacking games, man. Um, but just looking better every week. It's it's crazy. Um yeah, he's he's definitely earned the uh, the Hollywood moniker. I know we were talking about taking away taking that away last season, but no, nah, he's that's that's there to stay. We even got called out by uh, David Culley, right? In in his pr- one of his early
2: pressers at Houston.
1: <laughs> yeah, Cully Culley thinks he got the name because he wants to be all Hollywood with the sunglasses. Culley didn't even know that uh, that's his hometown name, which of course you would think a coach would have that kind of relationship with his uh, player, but uh, that's not Culley's style. So. Um, but yeah, but yeah, Cully, Cully basically said, I can't call him Hollywood cause he ain't Hollywood yet. He ain't earned that nickname. What well, I think they might build a statue to Hollywood Brown in his little town by the time it's, uh, in Hollywood, Florida, by the time it's all over. So yeah, I think it's fair to say he, he earned the Hollywood, Florida moniker. <laughs> He's not trying to be Hollywood, California.
0: Oh man. It's, it's awesome. I, and you know, when he's, he's just a fun player to watch, the way he can adjust and make people miss and uh, just a touch of swagger, I enjoy it. Like, he's an easy guy to root for in a way.
3: Yeah. Oh, to take this a uh, little bit of a pivot here while we're on the receivers, I just want to bring this up. I thought I just thought about this uh, interesting. So, when we were talking about the people on IR, we didn't bring up another guy who was, you know, a name, the past two years, Miles Boykin. Do you guys think, like, it's been two weeks now, right? And the Ravens have been out all these running backs. They've had to pull guys off the street. Do we really like is is Boykin that much of a improvement on like run blocking from the receiver position that we're missing him? Like, are we missing Boykin? I almost feel like we're not. Like, do we even need him out there on offense? No,
1: it's it's going to be special teams. If we keep him, there's a good chance he's still our starting gunner, which people people don't like to hear that. But uh, kick coverage isn't as important. It's those. You know, the two guys screaming mm-hmm. down the field on punt coverage who could really uh, cost you yardage field position constantly. I mean, you could always have Tucker kick it out of the end zone in most games if you want. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I have a personal preference in that area and it wouldn't be Boykin. I think with uh, the flexibility of Watkins, Bateman, and Hollywood, we saw Hollywood move around a little bit in this game, left side, right side, slot, backfield. Um, you know, I, I would prefer to move on from Boykin, but uh, I honestly think the coaches lean the other way and would rather have that gunner. So that's just my opinion. I'm, I'm big on letting DuVernay and Prochet develop and see what they can prove because I feel like Boykin pretty much is what he is, in my opinion. You know, I don't think he's, he's, he's if for him it's not physical, it's mental, and maybe it's going to take a long time, but you can see where Sammy's in the right place at the right time all the time. And, uh, you know, it has less to do with, for me with, um, you know, the number of weapons. It's just that we have that, like when you were talking about Sneed compared to Watkins, it's not like a upgrade or a downgrade. It's just a different, uh, different position, different player. That left side of the field is now open, which it hasn't been with miles on the team for two years. So that's my own personal take on that one.
0: Here's uh, I wanted to bring up Prochet actually. Um, I thought he was running some really crispy routes when he was brought in this game, I saw him open a couple of times and I was just like, yet again, frustrated that it seems like when he's in there, he's not a read. And, uh, I'm just wondering if they're ever going to get him incorporated.
1: Doesn't look like it. Does it doesn't look like we're using the slot receivers as much. Um, looks like it's just, those two outside receivers and Andrews. And again, there's only one ball to go around too. So, I mean, we're, we're rushing a lot. Uh, Lamar rushing a lot. The running backs are doing those things. So, when you're looking at the really, I don't even know how to say it. Lamar, the running game, uh, Andrews, Hollywood Watkins. So whatever option number that is, you're talking about your sixth option, maybe fifth option, whatever the numbers come out to. So, um, I don't know. I would like to see some of that sprinkled in. I would like to see it just for the development standpoint of Duvernay. And I feel like I know what Prochet can do. So hopefully, uh, there'll be a game where we need that. And, uh, and it's in our back pocket.
2: I have some thoughts on that when we get to uh, talking about the preview for the Detroit game, but, yeah, I think definitely, you know, I think at some point they're going to have to get these guys involved, right, because we saw the Chiefs do it in this game. Uh, Maybe this is a good sequence to talk about the defensive side of the ball, but the Ravens' defense put a lot of effort into taking Tyreek Hill out of the game, or at least making it difficult to throw that way. Uh, Kelsey was still able to get his, but it forced the Chiefs to use a lot of Hardman um, and have Pringle and Robinson come up with some highlight catches, big touchdowns, uh, when all three of those guys were hardly used at all against Cleveland. So, you know, some defenses are going to be able to to take those guys away. And when that happens, then, yeah, the Ravens are going to have to turn to, to Duvernay or or Oliver or Prochet. So I would be surprised if we don't see them in the coming weeks as the Ravens have a couple games against lesser opponents, at least on paper. We'll see what actually happens during the game as we saw in week one. Um, But yeah, I think that's something to to watch for in the coming weeks, uh, how the Ravens get those guys a little more involved in the passing game.
0: Before we go to the defense, actually, I did want to ask you, Peter, did your uh, player have a good performance that you were talking about? Did you know one in Jinx?
2: He did, yes, yes. So I do not – I've learned my lesson about making bold predictions for Manju's or Hollywood Brown. So my bold prediction, I was <sighs> going to just copy-paste from last year where I'm pretty sure I said – let's see. I actually have the spreadsheet up right now. Yeah, so last year my bold prediction for week three was 200-plus total yards of offense between – uh, Hollywood and Dobbins. So I thought they were both going to combine, both have monster breakout games in that game last year. Did not happen. I've also in the past, I, I feel like every time I predict a big game from Hollywood or Andrews on, on air, they put up a dud and I knew that we were going to need Hollywood <laughs> to be Hollywood in this game. So I didn't, I didn't copy paste my bold prediction from last year in fear that I, you know, I might, might jinx it a bit. So uh he, I was going to say he was going to get 150. He didn't get 150. He didn't need to get 150, but he still had over 100. So I'd call that the game that I was hoping from him uh, for us that I thought we would need.
0: Beautiful. All right. Let's talk about the defense. I think uh, it's hard to be happy with a defensive performance that lets up 35 points. It's hard to be happy with a defensive performance that had so many missed tackles that led to those points. But... The Chiefs did go one for six on third down, which was definitely the big difference in this game from maybe previous encounters with the Chiefs. So I think our defensive kind of coverage here is going to be a little mixed as far as the good and the bad. There were definitely plenty of things that they could have done better, but it seemed to be enough. What was your overall takeaway of the defense?
2: I like that they didn't try and just do the same game plan that they did the previous year. They went a little bit happy with the Blitz uh, on the NBC broadcast. They they had an interview with Tyreek Hill, and he said he hoped that the Ravens just did the exact same thing that they did last year because it gave them so much room and open space to work. And to Wink's credit, uh, he had a conservative game plan for him. Uh, I think that threw the Chiefs off guard a little bit, and you know the Blitzes were mixed in in a little more timely situations it felt like rather than just do it whenever the ravens want to and just let the offense deal with it and i mean like we like we said this is a high powered offense they've i don't know if they've in a regular season game if if with mahomes if the chiefs have ever scored less than 20 points in a game i said on on the preview show last week i didn't expect the ravens to hold the, the chiefs to less than 24 points in the game I think, yeah, you got to look at the intangibles here. Looking at how the Ravens were able to stop them on third down, that's a win. Look at how the Ravens were able to have a push in the turnover battle, force Mahomes to his first career September interception, that was a plus. Um, A win on defense against the Chiefs is not going to look like, you know, when the Ravens shut out, uh, say, Cincinnati or someone like that. It's just, it's upgraded on a different curve, so... Yeah, it, it, there was definitely moments during the game where you were just like, "Man, they just cut through the defense again with another big play, big speed play." But I, I don't, I think that there was there was still a lot of a lot more good in the performance than bad.
3: Yeah, I think so too. I mean, uh, well, the other thing just to clarify they only let up twenty eight points. If we take the pick six out of it, so you know, 35, 28 35 twenty eight, thirty five doesn't seem so bad. Again, like you're playing against Patrick Mahomes he's going to tear up almost any team. Um, I mean, that's just kind of the reality. He's a really good quarterback and he's got some really good weapons on there. So there's only so much you can do. I thought overall, like things looked okay. I really think the thing that could, you know, help out the most is being able to generate pressure with four guys. OA is definitely, he's the key. Like he is maybe not the answer, but he is a part of an answer to it. I think having, um, you know, somebody to provide more pressure besides Calais Campbell um, and Pernell McPhee maybe would really, really help um, a future matchup. But uh, o to me was basically the the difference in this game. I mean, he was responsible for both of the turnovers on Mahomes. He was pressuring, the, pressuring him when he threw that pick and Tavon got it and he, you know, caused the fumble at the end of the game, which is an amazing, amazing play. So yeah, I, I surely, I think... Overall, like the Ravens played fine, like they did what they had to do. The third down uh, stats speak for themselves. They really just needed, you know, one more guy, and that guy happened to be Oa this game.
1: Yeah, strange game for the defense, and I I do credit Wink for just coming out of, uh, you know, what he likes to do, and looking at it and saying, well, we, you know, we've tried this before. We know Mahomes is just going to drift back and find someone or make somebody miss and find someone. Uh, we can't. We don't have Marcus Peters. Uh, you know, we can't stress our cornerbacks as much as we have in the past by not having him any help. But uh, the tackling was was just was just inexcusable. You know, from a couple of players, Brandon Stevens. That's something that he's going to have to clean up. Is his tackling, especially if we're going to put him in the slot versus some big receivers and spread him around in safety duties. I and mean, you can't miss tackles. And then I feel like we learned something about Malik Harrison, too, is that we're going to have to find someone. Um, you know, I know injuries played a part in this because we couldn't use Stevens or Chuck Clark in that role because Elliott went out, and then all of a sudden we needed those two to hold down the back end. But uh, we need to find a linebacker who can cover. And I threw out on my show the other, the other day, maybe this is something I can run by you guys, is to move Bowser off the edge and put him at that inside linebacker spot when we go with two linebackers in obvious passing situations. So let, let him be the guy that can check that extra tight end. Uh, you know, with the success that O.A. has had, Dalen Hayes is a, is another strong side backer. And then, of course, you have the other guys, Justin Houston, McPhee, Ferguson, if he's active. So move Bowser, you know, for that, what, five, ten snaps a game where you're playing a uh, two inside linebackers in an obvious passing situation. Let Bowser do it. So I kind of out of the box idea, but I'm not happy with board there, and I don't think that's Harrison's spot.
3: Yeah, that's a good point. I kind of like it. I mean, I could definitely see you know it being a role. Um, I mean, yeah. If if you're gonna if you're gonna put Houston and OA at outside, outside in those situations, yeah, why not have him back there? But I I mean. I mean the only question is something like is have we seen have we seen anything like that from Wink to put guys in, in a position like that?
1: I mean, not Bowser himself, you know what I mean? So he'll put safeties yeah. there, he's put board there, he had Malik there. Sometimes it's it's just Queen there. But I guess I'm speaking specifically to uh like Wink will put Wink will put any position there. I just I just like Bowser himself as a as an option, you know what I mean? Like like, right. okay, let's, if we have Dalen Hayes who can drop in coverage, or if we're just going to rush three guys that that can be Houston and away from the edges and let's move Bowser in like uh kind of a weapon X, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I really like that idea. I feel like Bowser's kind of off to a more quiet start this year, but I think we're just asking him to do things that aren't as flashy as maybe years past. I, I honestly, man, I, I, I can't believe it. You know, O.A., we got in the draft. Um, we weren't sure how quickly he would develop into the role. We're already talking to him like he's, like he's a veteran now. You know what I mean? Like, it's crazy how quickly we've grown on this guy. Uh, just, like, trusting that he'll be there and, and be able to provide um, impact. And then you got Houston, who was a late-minute addition, also creating impact, uh, you know, 53% of the snaps. And then O.A., uh, number one for the outside linebackers, at 75% of the snaps this game, which is, I think, absolutely wild. Um only Tavon Young had more snaps than him from a rotational player perspective. Hmm. It's crazy how much he's grown in that role. So I can see Bowser maybe needing to find um, a couple other ways that he can contribute. Um, and and playing as an uh, inside linebacker on those obvious passing downs makes a lot of sense. Another thing that was kind of interesting about this game was that uh, Queen was in on every single down. He never... Uh, Missed a down, and uh, there was a couple times that he was lined up wide against like a wide receiver, which was kind of wild. Um, why do you think that happened? I thought it was kind of a a bad idea.
1: Yeah, you could see him take the outside on those, and I, I have to go back and look, but I'm pretty sure it was a running back flexing out, and it was just. Mm-hmm.
2: I think it was McKinnon. Yeah,
1: McKinnon, the one that bu- kind of bullied him, uh, you know, on the one play near the goal line. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that. They're showing confidence in him to cover man to man and kind of be like that stalker blitz. And I think that that's something that Mahomes and Andy Reid uh, used to try to decipher the defense uh, too. you know, to see if Queen would get Queen out of the box, see what kind of defense we were in. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think that we'll we'll continue to see that throughout the season, actually, uh, because Queen's going to have the running back and and the running backs in the block. He's going to freelance and blitz. Which I, I like him in that role. I don't have too much of a problem with it. I think man to man, actually, he can cover better than he can when all that stuff's going around him in the middle of the field when he's in his zone.
3: Yeah. But one thing I've no- been noticing a lot recently that really just like frustrates the heck out of me with Queen is that he tackles way too high. He's just not strong enough to take on running backs and like receivers and tight ends at the upper body and he tries to all every time and he gets pushed back so many yards. I just, I really wish he'd clean that up. It's not that he's a bad tackler. It's just, you need to improve the form. You got to go for the waist, got to go for below, like try to wrap up, try and knock a guy over. Um, it's like, he's just trying to like trying to like flex up on these guys and show he's stronger. And it's like, dude, you're clearly not.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I agree. I, it's just different for me. He's a different player than the, the middle linebackers we've always had. So it's just, you know, he's, he's faster, but yeah, his, yeah, I, I agree totally on the technique wise. It's just like, he's more like a pouncer than he is a, uh, you know, a get, get yeah. low and, and blow things up. If he blows things up, it's usually with a shoulder. If you notice, he'll come in with a nice clean yeah. shot, but, uh not the, the technical rap, you know, get low, get leverage, drive through and wrap that you used, used to see. And so, yeah takes me a little bit while to get used to and then you know i'd like to see him get more physical shedding blocks doing the run game you still see him get pushed around a little bit but uh i mean i say all that those are things that you know i'm hoping he gets better at but what he does bring to the game is is pretty awesome too
2: yeah
3: oh yeah for sure for sure
2: yeah i mean the other thing to remember with queen is he's, he's still only 22 years old um very young he's got a lot to to still learn with his technique. But yeah, like we're saying, there's a lot of promising things there with his uh, making impact plays already um, in both these two games to start the season. Um, we have seeing improvement from his rookie year to now. Still not, a, I don't think we're, it's gonna take a long time to get used to that number six. Uh, <laughs> but aside from that, yeah, he's he's gotta work on some things, but I, I think it's all stuff that, that can you know, the Ravens coaches can work on with him and just, you know, continue to have him watch film, what he's doing, where can we tighten up the technique, you know, get better with, with reading the coverages. So I think there's still a, a lot of potential with this guy, but there's still going to be some growing pains. And like you said, Chris, uh, he's still tackling too high. I think I'm trying to remember which t- uh, touchdown. It might've been the Kelsey touchdown. Um, he was trying to tackle around the three yard line and just obviously wasn't able to do it, do that. And, that could have stopped the touchdown short but wasn't able to in that uh, case due to the technique. But, yeah, I, I, there's still a lot to a lot to be excited about with this guy, even in spite of some of the struggles he's currently having.
1: Can I throw a shot at PFF in here? Absolutely. I, th- <laughs> <laughs> I saw on the screen before last night's game when they're announcing the defense, and it was I, – I believe the number was 90 linebackers, and I think they had an 85 uh, 85th out of 90 for Patrick Queen. So apparently, uh, every team pretty much has three linebackers that are uh, better than Patrick Queen, according to PFF. You know, and this is going off his Raiders game, which I thought he played pretty darn good.
2: Yeah, I, some sometimes you you look at those scores on PFF, and and they are a little bit of a head scratcher.
0: <laughs> I love analytics, man. I'm a I'm a big analytics nerd, but when they try to do this like yards over expected for running plays and such. It always like kinda makes me scratch my head. Like I don't think that football is that easy to model where they can really say that with any confidence. Right. So like there's there's some analytics I'm all about, right? Like we didn't even talk about it. The the move to go for fourth and one or whatever it was, fourth and two, to end the game and and win it was a huge analytics like you should do this moment. Um but it would be really hard for Harbaugh to explain away if it didn't work. And they did it, which was really cool. And that part of the analytics I love. But when they want to use analytics to like, you know, say that that Patrick Queen is the the what, eighty-six out of ninety you said, linebacker in the league? Like, you know one way you could prove that's not true? If he was on waivers, he'd be picked by like every single team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like every, you know, like every single team would want him on waivers. Like literally all of them would put in a bid. <laughs> it's just yeah. stupid.
1: The only thing that frustrates yeah. me is that people take that really, really seriously. And they're trying to do a good job. Like I want PFF to succeed because there's, I mean, you know, grading linemen and all that. It's hard, but sometimes I don't think they understand the assignment or there's some kind of disconnect there. So, so yeah, when people try to use PFF grade as the only part of their argument you know and i'm watching the tape and i'm like there's not 85 better linebackers than patrick queen like if you would have you could have sold me on 30 or 40 you know what i mean based on one game based on the one game say 30 guys had a better performance but uh but yeah it it was just uh you know i had to take a shot at there every once in a while i see something
2: do we want to talk about that uh fourth down play i think we
0: always want to talk about fourth down
2: (laughs) wedding plays (laughs) Oh man. So we did run an, uh a poll, which if you if you follow us on Twitter you might have seen that come out around midday about what uh you guys thought were was the play of the game and last I checked of it, um, everyone was in agreement that it was the always trips uh fumble, which I'm sure we'll talk about as well. But uh since we're t- going over to the the play that happened almost after it, yeah, the Ravens had the ball.
0: Gosh, what was it, their thirty seven yard line? on fourth and one it wasn't pretty it wasn't quite field goal range <laughs> but it was like one extremely minor play from patrick mahomes they're definitely in it you know <laughs> <laughs> like it, it was like i remember me and uh, k fish were talking about it like oh are we gonna go for it i was like i think they should but god i don't love it like neither just, <laughs> neither of them were great right like neither of them were great but if i had to choose based on what i had seen i was like i think you keep them in <laughs> <laughs> which it seems like that was kind of the Harbaugh uh feeling too where he's like I think we should do it but I was really happy when Lamar really wanted to do it cuz it made me more confident in it. <laughs>
2: yeah. Oh yeah, you could clearly read on on Harbaugh's lips uh which I'm sure you've you've seen uh, as you're at the game by now that uh they picked up they picked up Harbaugh's lips clear as day that you know they were going for it. And I can remember like that play and watching I was just like I, I had the same reaction. I was just like, "I really don't want them to have to do it," but there is no way you give the ball back to Mahomes and you get lucky again. <laughs> There's just no way that that the, you, the Ravens win that game if if they surrendered the ball there with that much time left. So I think, yeah, I think it was the only call there, and luckily, you know, we talked about last week how when the Ravens tried the fourth and one uh, conversion uh, against the Raiders, they didn't run the right play in that situation, didn't have the ball in the person's hands. It was the best idea, you know, putting it in Murray's hand when he had his first game on the team, having just gone on the team, but put it in Lamar's hands, excellent blocking, um,
0: and they got it. It was the killer instinct. It was what I was yelling about, right? Against the Raiders, they lacked the killer instinct, where they like were too conservative. They just kicked the field goal rather than just go score a touchdown. Like you can do it. And when they went and did that, and it worked, I mean, my jubilee was out the world because you know that's when you knew the way we won the game. I was I was jumping around like crazy. <laughs> I was so excited. I'm feeling excited now, just thinking about it. Like, uh, yeah. And it's funny though that that play, right? we say, like, what was the play of the game? 0% in our poll. Unanimously, (laughs) unanimously, the OA strip. Because I guess it enabled it. And if he didn't do that, we probably lose the game. Right? Because they were in field goal range. They kick it.
3: Not enough time. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I didn't answer the poll, but I got to go with the OA one. At least my experience was, like, when that happened, we had won the game like it didn't matter what was going to happen the next time we all I, I at that point it was just like that was it that was the moment because if if that doesn't happen they kick a field goal or their time expires the Ravens don't have enough time to answer at the point so for me it was really weird because i had already like in my head that we had won the game and then three yes. plays later, it's fourth and one. And I'm like, wait a minute, how did this happen? How did we not have three plays to get a first down yep. against this defense when we've had all success again? <laughs> exact so it was, like, same it was reaction. very quickly. It was, <laughs> it was just very quickly. He's like, oh, crap, we got to get this right now. But then we did, and it was all good. So no worries.
1: <laughs> and, and Alec, I, I, I didn't think this was like a, a bonding moment between the analytics. Guys and the gut feeling guys. Like it wasn't just the analytics telling you that you should go for it and there's a 66% chance that you're going to win if you go for it. It was the fact that it's, you know, add that to the fact that you have Mahomes getting the ball back, only needing a field goal with a minute left. You don't want, and the fact that you have Lamar Jackson in this historic run game. On your side, whereas you, you mentioned every time we brought in Cologne, we got the yards we needed. Yeah. So it was like, it was gut feel. It was common sense. It was analytics. It was everything brought together to the point where like, of course, somebody would have had to ask Harbaugh in his press conference if it didn't work, <laughs> you know the the poor one guy coach, what, uh, what went into your thoughts there to go for it? And, you know, of course, Harbaugh would have gave him, uh, you know, a chewed his head off kind of answer. Like, well, it's common sense. So, yeah, I thought that that was beautiful because like, you know, it wouldn't be too long ago where people would have looked at each other and said, what, huh, they're going to go for it. Why? And uh, now it's kind of, it was like conventional thinking. Like it took me a good five seconds for it to sink in. Like, yeah, we need to go for this. And that was it.
0: I think the broadcasters were even like, they can't go for it. And then they had the, the footage of of, of uh, Harbaugh. They're like, oh, I guess they're doing it. <laughs> like, nice. and I, I mean, I did, I, I'm i not 100% sure, but I think
3: I heard or saw its feet on that.
0: I was just like, come on, guys. Get with the times.
3: <laughs> What's Colin, what is Collins worth thinking, man? Jeez.
2: Well, that wasn't the f- first time anyone's uttered that. <laughs> <laughs> Although I will say to Collinsworth's credit, oh my gosh, the NBC broadcast team and the announcers, m- way, way more watchable than ESPN, gosh, at least from my perspective.
1: Yeah, me too. It's kind of like Collinsworth gets made fun of because everything's the greatest thing ever. But if you remember, Gruden was that same way. And uh, he was pretty entertaining on Monday Night Football. It's it's kind of funny because like I look at the Monday Night Football crew now, from my perspective at least. It's like, it's still not what I want, but it's an upgrade over Booger, Booger and uh, Witten. <laughs> <that, it's like, laughs> at, yeah. at least we oh, got man. some kind of reprieve there. Like we slowly upgrading, man. We went from a, from a I don't know, give me a technical, uh, give me a, uh, you know, a, uh, a uh, uh, what would it be as far as technology is concerned? We upgraded from a what to a what?
2: I mean, a wheelbarrow to a Ferrari? <laughs>
1: no, no, I, not that much. <laughs> yeah, I can I can't call Lewis Reddick a Ferrari and greasy, but uh we went from like a wheelbarrow to a, like a wagon with a handle, you know what I mean? There
3: you like, go. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Anything else we can talk about? I mean, we
2: we haven't really talked about Owe yet, have we? They love him in Baltimore now. They love him in Baltimore. We don't need to question if it's a coaching staff or the fan base. They love him. <laughs> they know who he is. <laughs>
0: Yeah, man, the way he uh, knocked out that ball, you know, to and then scooped it, right? Just incredible athleticism and, uh, you know, a big part of the interception play.
2: Oh, that interception doesn't happen if, if he's not, if he doesn't grab Mahomes there.
0: And that's the thing that's annoying, too, and the damn, uh, there's a voting going on. I'll include the link in the show notes. Go vote for OA every way that you can um, to win Rookie of the Week. But they had the darn stats, and I really want a little bit more, like, explanation I mean, I'm sure the other guys maybe also have some explanation, but, like, uh, there's an interception that you can almost 100% tie <laughs> to, you know, his impact. But it doesn't show up in the stat sheet, right? <laughs> the analytic nerds are not going to see that. <laughs>
1: yeah, you know, there's a couple of things with O.A. I just can't wait to speak on. First is the, you know, I there was so much unknown, like, where Wink would trust him, how he would use him, and the snap counts are just ridiculous. I mean, we are, I mean, we're depending on this guy, You know, someone we drafted as, okay, well, you know, he might be a little bit of a project, but he's a great athlete. You know, I'm figuring we're going to, and then, you know, historically the Ravens don't play their outside linebackers more than 50% of the snaps since Suggs left. So it's like defying all logic that this man is in there for 75% of the snaps. And then, um, you know, the other thing that sticks out to me, uh, what you're talking about, Alec, that doesn't show up on the stat sheet is the discipline in which he plays Think back to these past Chiefs games where Judon was on that edge and crashed to the inside trying to make a sack that he wasn't going to get on Mahomes. And Mahomes just like kind of, you know, danced outside to his right and had all day, ate a sandwich and (laughs) made a throw across his body and just killed us time and time again. And I'm Mm -hmm. just screaming at the TV, Matt, like just. Give it up, bro. Like, just stay in, stay where you're supposed to be and don't let him do that. You know what I mean? You cannot afford to let him get out of the pocket. That's what, he, that's what he's waiting for you to do. Give him, like, 15 yards of just open space to see the field. No linemen in front of him to put his hands up. So, I, I love O.A.'s discipline, I guess, is what I'm getting at. His run setting. He just always seems to be where he's supposed to be, even though he has some technical work to do with his handwork and stuff like that
3: yeah i I love the pick man um I think he's gonna be great i it's it's still a little early, but like I mean gosh like he's gotta be like one of the best defensive picks that the Ravens have had in quite a long time, right I mean, Queen was a good pick, I think, but Queen is not to the level I think that always gonna be i think always ceiling is is much higher at this point. I'm extremely happy with it 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 feels it feels great man with just you know the Ravens being blessed with so many great defensive players over the years Suggs is I think the really the last one that uh you know held out for so long but you know ever since then we've been trying to find a guy to kind of like up that caliber to kind of bring that back like I hope OA can get there you know signs look good so far but we'll have to see
0: I just feel like the cost is looking at the checkbook, scratching his head. How the hell he's going to make it work? You know, like you know, you make draft picks, first round picks, and you're like, oh, like you know, obviously you wanted them to succeed, you want to keep them, but it's like after two games, he's like, ah, crap. Yeah, I got, I got to extend this guy. You got, you got five, you got another
3: four years, man, or you know, five. You count this year, we'll be okay. No, I know. (laughs) They'll figure it out.
2: (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I I think Alex bring up a great point. I know it's only two games, but. This is the most impact that a Ravens outside linebacker, a rookie outside linebacker, has had in their first two games since Suggs' rookie year in two thousand three. I mean, you think look at the other guys the Ravens have drafted: uh, Upshaw, Bowser, Kruger. It took all those guys, uh, Zadarius Smith. It took those guys uh, years to get make the impact plays that always making right away. I mean, you know, it's yeah. it's on film now, like like um. forget who I was listening to pointed out, you know, he's, you know, now defense or offensive coordinators know, okay, this guy, he can play. So now he's going to be getting some more attention presumably from, you know, teams and they're going to try and and go away from him or attack him. But, you know, I, I think he'll be what we've seen right now. I think that Wink has a good plan for him and they'll be able to, to adjust if, if offenses adjust to him. And yeah. He's this is better than we were expecting when the Ravens drafted him, at least from my own takeaway. I, I he's looking better than I was expecting at this point.
0: Man, I don't even know if the cost to call it. You know, like I think people <laughs> that draft him were calling this. Like, you know, like come on man, like right away. Like unbelievable. Kudos to him. Anything else or do we want to do uh, MVPs. I think we could talk about this game forever. This is probably gonna be on the <laughs> longest recaps of all time. Yes, there are plenty of other things we could talk about. We'll we'll talk about as the season goes on, if it becomes more of a storyline. We only have two data points right now. Can't make a line. Need three. So maybe we'll uh, have a little bit extra to talk about with the uh, Detroit recap as we uh, kind of tie some, these uh, other narratives. But uh, yeah, let's go to the MVPs.
2: A uh, reminder for you guys from last year, or if you uh, are listening to us for the first time, we tend to pick guys, not necessarily who were like, you know, the most dominant player on the field, but guys who had, you know, really key plays here. So, I mean, because most, we, most weeks we could just pick Lamar and, and go with it. But, you know, we, we like to give some uh, MVPs out to some other guys too. So, with that out of the way, I don't know who wants to delve in first.
3: I'm going to do the really easy one because for me personally, definitely the MVP, uh, the guy we just talked about, Adafe Oa. I love when defensive players have big impacts. Um, Ed Reed, I- I've talked about on the show, has always been my favorite player because he had one of the biggest impacts um, on you know the overall team from the defensive position. So I love when I see defensive players make an impact, make turnovers, things like that. So, oh, wait, my MVP, hands down, 100%. For me, it has to be Patrick McCarry in the spirit
0: of obviously not picking the most obvious things sometimes. And uh, I mean, the way that he solidified uh, right tackle for us in this game was absolutely critical. Um, If we had not that level of play, uh, if it was a liability, the Ravens do not win this game. It was too narrow of a margin and and absolutely critical uh, to their success. So Macari gets the win for his uh, scrappiness and being a a really solid substitute.
2: I'm going to go with one that's going to seem a little odd, but I think, you know, this guy only made one play, uh, one impact play in, in the game, but I think it was huge. And, If Devin Duvernay hadn't been there to grab Mm. that fumble and jump into the end zone, like we could be talking about a totally different game. Because, yeah, I think what was happening in the game at that point—that we had the pick six, the Chiefs were up seven-zero without Patrick Mahomes even having to to take the field—you drive all the way down there, and if the Ravens don't recover that fumble, uh, much less get the touchdown, um, you could be talking about the Chiefs going up fourteen to zero, and. At that point, that's gonna make things so much more mentally difficult for the Ravens at that point, so sure did Devin Duvernay have a huge game? No, but I think that play was extremely critical and really good hustle from a guy who um you know is fighting to get a bigger role on this team. I think thought that was a a
3: really good play I love that pick that's great thanks Peter
1: yeah I have uh I'll throw out the uh, Greg Roman as coordinator just because. It seemed like every time it was we should run, we ran. It seemed like every time we should pass, we passed. It just seemed like a, a very good game from him. But uh, the player that I would like to focus on, uh, you know, the not so obvious one is Mark Andrews, somebody I brought up on my channel last night. Um, what a game from a blocking perspective from him. Yes. And then you look at two key plays. The one was a sliding catch near the left sideline, if you guys remember that. Wasn't an easy play. Lamar put it where he had to because of the defenders, but that caused uh, Mark to slip. And then at the end of the first half, uh, when we had no timeouts Mm -hmm. and the game was looking a little shaky, it's like that last field goal before the half was kind of crucial for momentum because the Chiefs were getting the ball back in the second half. And then look, all of a sudden you could go down 14 at that point, but we only went down 11 because we were able to get that field goal. Mark Andrews hurtling a a defender to get to the sideline. Like not to get extra yards to get out yeah. of bounds. Yeah. It was just a gutsy, gutsy effort. It wasn't like a made for sports center hurdle, you know, where I'm showing off and, you know, gonna give the first down sign. It was like it was giving up your body for the team and just a brilliant IQ play. So um yeah, but uh, you know, for you film junkies out there, and I think actually I'm gonna do a cut up of Mark and his uh and his blocking when we get done here um and his catches. But uh, just a great game from him as a blocker. I I, I surmised also last night that when Boyle went out last year, that he kind of felt like the need to embody Nick Boyle, that he's got to pick it up for his guy and be like, man, I got to take my blocking to another level uh, in honor of Nick Boyle. And maybe he found some joy in that. And maybe he found some uh, more effectiveness, you know, more aggressive with his block. And it looked awesome.
0: Dude, I was joking. I had a a last minute fancy matchup. So like, you know, Points were tied. I had Andrews. He had Bucker. And, uh, you know, I won that matchup, but I was joking. Like, if I got points for an a excellent seal block that allows uh, Lamar Jackson to do a, a, a flip into the end zone, <laughs> <laughs> right? Then it would have been a no contest, right? <laughs> I was like, where, where, where are the points for that? The assist. He, at least a point or two, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a great game for Andrews. And I don't think uh, that's why I wanted to pick him because I don't think he jumps out on the stat sheet or whatever, but yeah man steady game from him big blocks awesome
2: five for five on his uh on his catches too on and targets we talked about you know shoring up those drops so excellent receiving game too even though he wasn't asked to do as much as as in some other games
3: i love those pick guys duvernay and and andrews great great choices for mvps at the end there i just went the easy route this week
0: (laughs) (laughs) he had to get it from somebody it had to be done you did the sacrifice
1: McCarry's McCarry's a good pick, though, too. I like Alex because, I mean, you could pick McCarry or Villanueva, but, yeah. man, if, if Lamar had the time or lack of time he did against Vegas, there's no way we're going to win that game. Just we had to score every time down the stretch.
0: Absolutely. A lot of highlights for this game. Awesome talking. Thanks so much, Jason, for joining us. Make sure to check out his work at Huddle It Up Films. You can find him on YouTube. You can find him on Twitter. Um, absolutely essential follow. you're into the ravens we'll be back later in the week talking about the lions and as a reminder don't forget to uh check out the greek festival if you're in the area um it's just north of baltimore and it's gonna be a really great time i'll be there the whole time if you see a guy wearing a uh, i don't need recipes on greek apron it's me (laughs) most likely it's me i don't know maybe other people have that apron too
3: (laughs) you should do that and the ravens hat that way to make it clear
0: (laughs) yeah okay (laughs) very good
3: (laughs) and as always follow us Ravens underscore
0: recap on Twitter we love all the uh, feedback we've been getting and the mailbag questions Um, and you can also email us too if you prefer that feedback at ravensrecap.com. we'll be back like I said later in the week talk about the Lions a matchup that uh, we can't just uh, have a hangover game here we need to keep stacking let's go Ravens